0: Hey, this is Gerda, and you're listening to an episode of the Villainous Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join us. Grab your favorite cup of tea, coffee, or your red lightsaber, as this time I am discussing the grandson of Lord Vader himself, Kylo Ren. What really lies behind that dark helmet of his? And do I think he could ever reach his grandfather's legacy? Let's find out, shall we? Enjoy! I've not been a huge fan of Star Wars my entire life. I didn't actually see the original films before 2015. I know. Embarrassing. For some reason, I had consciously avoided these films my whole life. Like I said in the first episode, I'm quite easily put off things that are overly popular. Star Wars is definitely one of those things. To make it worse, I feel that one of the biggest plagues of the modern age cinema is huge franchises. It's starting to resemble something of the likes of McDonald's or other fast food restaurants at this point. The first film made a decent amount of money. Let's make a sequel, even though we actually don't have a good story to continue with. And then we make another one. And another one. And another one. At this point, we've ended up in a situation where money has much higher value than original storytelling. We are seeing sequels upon sequels, which have barely any quality to speak of. And they ruin the original films that all of us grew up with. It's us, the audience that suffers because of all that greed. Those stories themselves, as well as the characters in them, suffer even more. Today, I will discuss one such victim of corporate greed. Kylo Ren. The case of Kylo Ren is so bad that I would describe him as a Tragic villain. When I use this expression, I'm not referring to an antagonist that doesn't actually want to be a villain. For me, this expression has another, deeper meaning. I use it to describe a villain that has all the potential to be amazing. A great actor an epic costume, relatable goals, or something else. But they ultimately fail as a character because of lazy writing. I will definitely discuss such characters more as the podcast continues, but I feel it's the case of Kylo Ren that feels the most urgent to me. This episode is going to be full of emotion. It will be a mess in some cases. If my notes are anything to go by, some parts of it, especially if I'm discussing The Rise of Skywalker, will likely be a straight-out rant. I hate that movie. And I mean hate I'm not going to hold back and I will sink my teeth, claws, and anything else that's sharp into this film to rip it apart and make a case for how my boy Kylo was done dirty. For those of you that for those of you that happen to love Ray. I'm sorry, but I won't be kind to her either. Still, bear in mind that I'll be actually criticizing the horrible writing first and foremost. It's the first time in the history of the Villainous podcast where I am full of so many ideas, I'm actually bursting. Like... Before recording, I was actually worried whether I was going to fit all of this information into one episode, but I promise I will try. If I had to sum up Kylo Ren with one word, it would be potential. It oozes out of him in every direction. First of all, of course, there is the ancestry. Kylo is born when two really powerful families in the galaxy unite. He gets the surname Solo from his father and his connection to the Skywalker family and thus to Darth Vader from his mother. He is born to be someone great which makes him an attractive person for everyone. As Kylo himself puts it in the comic The Rise of Kylo Ren, the dark side and the light side both claimed me for their own the moment I was born. I would argue that more than any other character in Star Wars, Kylo spends his life torn between the light and the dark. Even more so, his soul is torn in multiple ways. Between the legacy of his ancestors and the idea of carving out his own path, between listening to his own family or listening to his teacher snoke and whatever the hell it is that makes him torn about ray which believe you me i will get to the fact that kylo ren is unbalanced as snoke would put it isn't actually obvious when he first appears on the screen just like his grandfather he's in command of the scenes he first appears in. This is very much enhanced by the helmet he is wearing, which sets him apart from anyone else in the First Order, as does the lightsaber that he uses. Kylo may be dressed in all black, but all elements of his outfit are memorable. In fact, I would argue his costume is the most outstanding one in the whole trilogy. When I once saw a really well-made Kylo Ren costume on sale online, I was tempted to buy it. Until I discovered it was like a thousand pounds altogether. If I did purchase any lightsaber from the Star Wars universe, however, it would be Kylo's without a doubt. Although, it'll never look as cool as it did in the movies. I'll go a bit over the basics of Kylo before I discuss the specifics of his character. Kylo Ren was born as Ben Solo. If you ask me, that is actually quite a cool name. It's a name with a legacy that you can definitely slide on. However, Ben himself starts to see his name as a burden from a very young age. In the comic The Rise of Kylo Ren, he addresses it like this. I have no choice. And never did. Even my name isn't a choice. This hatred for his own name is what really sets off his desire to build something of his own. And creating a new name for himself feels like a natural part of the process. It makes me think of Lord Voldemort, who hates his father and his family so much, he also fashions a new name for himself. Although, in Ben's case, the meaning behind the name Kylo Ren is actually a lot less sinister. So, the name Kylo is after the Latin word Kylum which means either sky or heaven. It is, therefore, quite an obvious reference to the surname Skywalker, which his grandfather once had. Ren means both a ruler and a king. But it's also likely a reference to the status that Ben comes to hold as the master of the Knights of Ren. If you then put Kylo and Ren together, it kind of sums up his whole life. And the most literal translation of the name is Sky King. It's a name Ben starts to use after he kills the previous leader of the Knights of Ren, whose name quite ironically, is Ren. In addition to what I already said, this name is a reference to both his grandfather's glorious past, but also his new status. As Ben becomes Kylo Ren, his appearance changes a lot. And it's more than just him starting to wear the color black. If you ask me, black is the most tired and overused of all the colours that villains wear. If it was up to me, I'd have villains dressed up in all sorts of colours as if they were in like Marvel comics or Disney movies. Red, blue, green, orange, purple, yellow, white. Villains can have just as many colors as heroes can. And they can have just as much, if not more, fashion sense. I mean, have you seen Cruella? Now, speaking of costumes, I want to speak about two elements that are most crucial about Kylo Ren's outfit. It's his helmet and his lightsaber. The helmet is the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Kylo Ren as a character. He wears a black combat helmet like the ones the rest of the Knights of Ren do. However, Kylo's helmet stands out. Silver inlay surrounding the area where his eyes are. Silver as a color symbolizes wealth, success, and power. And I can imagine that in this universe, especially after Kylo Ren becomes the supreme leader, such a helmet would be something close to a crown. If there ever was a more obvious reference to Darth Vader, surely... It's Kylo Ren's helmet. Already before he is revealed as Vader's grandson, the helmet, especially the way it amplifies Kylo Ren's actual voice, is a clear point of reference. Still, there is a key difference here. Vader wears his helmet because he physically needs it. After his fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi in Return of the Sith, his body was so damaged he couldn't survive without his helmet or his costume. Of course, he also needs to hide who he is, as his previous identity as Anakin Skywalker wouldn't help him in his new path. Kylo Ren doesn't have any life-altering injuries to hide. At least not full-body ones like Darth Vader had. Instead, it's primarily a way for him to hide his insecurities and vulnerabilities. For example, Kylo is clearly embarrassed... By the fact that he is rather young and inexperienced for someone in his rank. Unlike most of the generals and leaders in the First Order, or in the Galactic Empire for that matter, are much older in age than he is. This potentially means that wearing a helmet erases this age-related contrast between him and everybody else. And it gives him the kind of confidence he wouldn't otherwise have. Kylo's insecurities regarding his age make me think of Spider-Man a bit, who is, of course, one of the youngest superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Considering that in most adaptations he is a teenager, it definitely makes the fact that he's called Spider-Man at least a bit funny. The fact that he is actually much, much younger than you would expect comes out well in Spider-Man 2. When Spider-Man, during a fight with Doc Ock, manages to stop a train from falling off the line, He falls unconscious after it. He also has lost his mask at that point, so his face is fully showing. The New Yorkers in the train who catch him are surprised to see how young he actually is. One of them says, He's just a kid, no older than my son. I guess it would be natural to expect a Spider-Man to be, like, a man in his late 20s or early 30s or something like that. What's interesting is that Kylo Ren is actually 29 when the story begins, and by the rise of Skywalker, he is 30. 30. And this is a period where a lot of people are still figuring out who they are. I mean, I'm 34. I would know. Most of us don't have everything 100% figured out by that time. And not all of us even have children by the time we are 30. I don't. This is the exact Opposite when you compare to how it used to be with the older generations, who used to give birth at a much younger age. On top of that, you also have the added pressure of our society to achieve a lot by a certain age. We keep hearing about celebrities who have massive success already in their early 20s. And there are also annual publications like Forbes 30 under 30. The fact actually is that in your 30s, you still have your life ahead of you. You can still do a lot of things. We shouldn't really let our society get to us like that. But often it still does. Lucky for Kylo, he never has to deal with that sort of pressure from his society. In fact, he would actually be considered a success story, especially as he does achieve certain roles in the First Order way younger than his grandfather. In A New Hope, Darth Vader is actually about 41 years of age. And throughout the rest of the trilogy, he remains in his 40s. He never actually gets to be the Emperor, but he is clearly an absolute legend in the role he does have. Kylo, who does become Supreme Leader, has a lot more on his plate at a much younger age. So it's no wonder. He feels insecure. After Snow calls him out for being beaten by Rey, believe me, we will get there, and says he's a child in a mask in The Last Jedi, Kylo understandably gets very upset. Of course, Darth Vader at his prime is at least. 11 years, if not more, older than Kylo Ren. And he starts the story a lot more mature and prepared for his role. Kylo Ren is not only young, but he is also inexperienced as a leader in the dark side, which is something he definitely feels very insecure about. This explains why Snoke's comment makes him so upset. Although it doesn't at all explain why he destroys his helmet. His helmet is the one thing that covers up this insecurity of his. By destroying it, he makes it visible for everyone else, and it definitely takes away from the grandeur he had in The Force Awakens. This also makes him more vulnerable to attack, of course. How else would he have gotten the scar from Rey in The Force Awakens? The first time Kylo gets really wounded is the first time he's out in public without his helmet. It doesn't make sense that he goes to fight Rey and Finn without his helmet on. And neither does the fact that he smashes it later and goes without it for the whole of The Last Jedi. It means that he is now more physically vulnerable, but he can also be more easily recognized for and reminded of his past. The whole point of his helmet is that it hides his previous identity as Ben Solo. This desire to escape from who he used to be is very deeply rooted in Kylo Ren's character from the start. This is why he says, Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. That's the only way to become who you were meant to be. The helmet is the best way for him to conceal who he really is from the rest of the world. This is how his grandfather did it for decades. When Kylo Ren eventually decides to wear a helmet again in The Rise of Skywalker, he does it... In a really ridiculous way. Instead of having a completely new one made, because let's face it, as the supreme leader, he would have the funds for it, he has someone reforge the pieces together with this red substance. Now, according to Wikipedia, This actually makes the helmet stronger. But if you ask me, it makes the fact that he smashed it and that he's unhinged much more obvious. Don't get me wrong, I love it when a villain goes nuts. Villain temper tantrums are some of my most favorite things ever. They are sort of childish and immature, but also really fun to watch. When Kylo destroys this one room after Poe escapes, and that's the same when Rey escapes, I absolutely enjoyed every second of it. But the fact that he is at least a little unhinged should not be obvious to all of his men. As soon as Kylo Ren gets the helmet back and goes to a meeting, he sees everyone looking at him in a weird way and says, I sense unease about my appearance, General Hux. Someone as pathetic and uninteresting as General Hux should not have any opportunity to make fun of him. After all, his helmet is a status symbol. It should communicate to his followers who he is, and it should be what makes them respect him even more. His helmet should make everyone else in the first order think, this is my supreme leader. I better behave around him. And it should communicate to the rest of the Star Wars universe that he is someone to be reckoned with. This makes me think of the Korean series Squid Game, where everyone who is organizing the game can be recognized by the mask that they wear. There are these men in pink jumpsuits who wear symbols on their masks. A circle means you are a worker and you do manual labor. A triangle means you're a soldier who shoots anyone who cheats or misbehaves. And a square means you are a manager who organizes everyone else below them. Above these men in pink is the game master who is quite ominously called the front man. His mask is like a black, angular, 3D type of mask which no one else in the show wears. No one else but the men in pink usually sees him. And when they do, they know he's someone very important. I do feel Kylo himself realized it more in the first film. His helmet back in the day definitely aroused fear and respect amongst those who came across him. And when he decided to take his helmet off in front of anyone, it was a massive deal. When The Force Awakens, there are only three people who he takes it off in front of. Ray, his father Han, and Snoke. There are the others who see him without it as well, like Finn and Chewie. But it doesn't mean he removed it for their sake. The fact that Kylo doesn't get a new helmet by The Rise of Skywalker definitely shows that by the end of the story, Disney was fully checked out of this trilogy. And they were completely uninterested in his character as well. As I've promised numerous times already, I'm going to go more into it in this episode because believe you me, I have some things to say. But first, let's finish talking about Kylo Ren's costume and let's move on to the second most important part, his lightsaber. Now, I know I went on ages about the helmet, but I would actually describe Kylo Ren's lightsaber as the coolest part of his costume. And it's something that never really fails him. Kylo Ren's lightsaber is what made me want to see The Force Awakens in the first place. I've been into swords pretty much ever since I was a child. So the fact that there would be a red sword-like saber just seemed so epic to me. So Kylo's lightsaber is actually referred to as a crossguard saber, which means it doesn't only have a primary blade, but it also has two vents on the side, which are called... Kilons? Kilons? Something along those lines. These, of course, represent the cross of an actual sword. So that's about the crosses with the blade. Aside from giving him more ways to injure his opponents, these two vents actually help him to also balance out the cracked and unstable kyber crystal that powers his saber. Now there's no question that Kylo Ren's saber is a really unstable one. And it makes sense that it has a cracked crystal inside it. However, there are times that even this lightsaber vibrates more than usual. I think All lightsabers vibrate and flicker to a certain degree, especially if you are, of course, fighting an opponent. But in certain scenes in the trilogy, Kylo's saber does it so much, it looks like it could potentially explode. This is why I've come to believe that Kylo Ren's saber also represents the anger that is within him. When we see Kylo in the beginning of The Force Awakens, he feels more confident and in control, and therefore his saber is relatively stable. However, after he has killed his father and he faces down with Rey and Finn, the saber vibrates and makes a lot of noise, much more than in any other scene before it. It makes sense because in that scene, Kylo is very angry. So the fact that his saber is full of a lot of like static energy makes sense. Therefore, I feel his lightsaber is a symbol for both his instability and anger. There is plenty of anger inside Kylo Ren. You can see it pretty early in The Force Awakens. As I mentioned, there are, of course, these temper tantrums. I mean, honestly, at some point in our lives, we have all wanted to cause a little collateral damage. So I think it's fun to see someone smashing something to pieces on the screen. But what's interesting to me is that Kylo's anger, it definitely isn't as deep as Ivar's anger, for example. If you remember from the last episode, I discussed how Ivar the boneless was cursed by his father to have weak bones all his life. He suffered great pain, as well as the judgment and mockery of his society. So it made sense that he was angry. With Kylo, it took me longer to understand his anger, especially as he is initially born as someone who has everything. But maybe that's where the problems begin. Kylo Ren is the son of Han Solo and Princess Leia, two Famous figures in the original Resistance, as well as the nephew of the legendary Luke Skywalker. When Kylo is born as Ben Solo, everything in his life is essentially decided for him. His side in the universe, and also him being a Jedi. He isn't born as some sort of a Christ-like figure. If it's anyone, it's Anakin Skywalker. But Ben is clearly expected to be a great hero. I mean, imagine you're born and everything is decided for you. Your beliefs, your profession, maybe even who you would marry. Which luckily Ben doesn't have to deal with. Imagine you had to live a life carrying on the legacy of Luke, Han, and Leia. Especially if it's not necessarily something you want to do. I mean, what if Ben wanted to instead go back to Tatooine and be a moisture farmer like Luke? All jokes aside, you should have been able to choose the kind of destiny that he wanted even though Ben does manage to divert from the path that was chosen for him. What is sad is he still spends all of his life constantly torn and led by other people. Whether this happens in a more conscious or unconscious way, he's born into the light side because of his parents. And they also collectively manage to pull him back in the end. His descent into darkness is caused by Luke wanting to kill him. But it's also heavily influenced by Snoke. Kylo's character never quite manages to overcome this indecisiveness and to completely cut himself away from the wills and wishes of other people. This is how I feel he would have become truly great. But what's even worse is his character is greatly dumbed down and lessened for the sake of Ray, who becomes great by stomping on his bones there is no doubt that Kylo Ren is the most talented and well-trained Force-sensitive being amongst the younger generations. He has trained with both Luke Skywalker and Snoke, and he grew up knowing about the Force and the Jedi ways from a very young age. When Kylo was still Ben, He was a star pupil amongst the Jedi taught by Luke. He has practiced and studied for many years. So the fact that he is very powerful makes a lot of sense. And I get that where there is great darkness, there must also be great light. As Snoke himself said, darkness rises and light to meet it. The Force is, after all, all about the balance. Therefore, it makes sense that there would be someone amongst the Jedi who could take on Kylo Ren, and who would eventually be able to defeat him. But it shouldn't be done like this. At the start of The Force Awakens, When we first meet Ray, I actually kind of liked her. She was nice, intelligent, and talented. And she was a unique addition to the two male leads we had seen before. And honestly, I do get the fact that young girls do need characters to look up to. Because we do. There has and always will be a need for strong female characters. But if you have one such character, do it right. I'm so tired of seeing strong female character after strong female character who are only strong for the sake of the story. As much as we know... Rey as a character doesn't really discover the Force before the first film. She is just 19 when the story begins. And even when she starts her journey towards becoming a Jedi, she spends most of her time stumbling through one Force-sensitive experience after the other. During the first film, She receives no training whatsoever. And yet, she is somehow able to defeat Kylo Ren, scar his face, and destroy his lightsaber. This is a very unearned moment. Considering Rey doesn't even truly know what the Force is at that point... She only really associates it with breathing and lightsabers and floating things and whatever else. When she eventually meets Luke, she describes the forest like this. It's the power that Jedi use to control people and make things float. I mean, when I was re-watching the film, I couldn't actually believe that she said that. But she did. Luke, of course, the straight shooter that he is, tells him that she has completely misunderstood the meaning of the Force and interpreted it as a power, rather than the energy that connects everything in the universe. It seems to me that the makers of the sequel trilogy themselves don't understand what the Force actually is, and the deeper meaning it has in this universe. How else is Rey able to pull off some pretty amazing feats on a minimal amount of training? She's been trained for, like, what, five minutes? And she can already hold a First Order ship in place, heal a massive snake, and send out a burst of lightning, which I always thought was like a really advanced Sith power. Even the writers in the end clearly weren't able to comprehend what actually makes her this powerful. It took Luke two movies before he was a fully capable Jedi. Before that, he had to suffer through plenty of difficult training and loss, especially since he lost his hand during the fight with Darth Vader. Both Anakin and Luke spent years and years training before they were at full power. So the fact that Rey gets everything they had And more, with so much less effort, is honestly both insulting and ridiculous. I mean, it's no wonder that the writers themselves didn't know what to do. So, when they needed to explain why she was powerful, they suddenly decided, oh, she's a Palpatine. Now... Putting aside that it completely shits on Darth Vader's sacrifice, it also sends out a really bad message. If Rey was created to inspire young girls, what she really communicates is this. You don't have to work hard. All you have to do is come from a special family. Well, there goes my legacy. I am doomed. So whatever is going on with Rey also heavily contradicts the story of Kylo Ren, who himself is the successor of two legendary families. Why is it that he has to work so hard? Whether he is the star pupil or the supreme leader, Kylo Ren always works his butt off. Unlike Rey, he even builds his own lightsaber. And even when he is in the First Order, being the grandson of Darth Vader doesn't mean that anything is handed to him on a platter. He is constantly questioned and tested, and he himself also feels the pressure to work and try harder. It angers me that for Rey to rise and be all-powerful, it has to be at the cost of Kylo Ren, especially since she hasn't done anything to earn it. There's no way around it. Ray is a complete Mary Sue, which basically means she only has positive characteristics And she doesn't have any believable bad sides to her personality. Therefore, there isn't anything enticing or interesting about Rey as a character. That's why it took me quite a while to understand why Kylo is so drawn to her. The only way I could explain it is this. She comes from pretty much nothing, at least that's what we think in the beginning, and she manages to come very far, very quickly. She is also his opposite in quite a few ways, tempted by the darkness, just like he is by light. And of course, they are connected by the Force, or rather... They are what you would call forced diets. This means they are completely attuned to each other's senses and they can share both what they feel and what they see and hear. They can be in the opposite sides of the galaxy and still communicate. Now, whilst this connection is actually really Interesting at first. By the rise of Skywalker, it has definitely become a farce of sorts. It always goes like Ray goes to a planet in the galaxy. Kylo speaks to her and tries to understand where she is. Ray does something that drops the hint. Kylo arrives on a starship. <laughs> This happened quite a bit in the film, and I could really tell from when I was reading my notes how much it annoyed me. So I wrote this about the scene where Ray is in Kylo's bedroom. Vader's helmet falls. Kylo is like, so that's where you are, in my bedroom. I'll be there in five minutes bit, when it's done right this sort of a cat and mouse game between a villain and a hero can actually be really interesting whether it's light yagami and l in death note or sherlock and moriarty in sherlock if this sort of interaction is done well it can really add a lot of intrigue to the story. But with Ray and Kylo, it becomes tiresome really quick. Especially as all each of them tries to do is turn the other one over to their side. When I was re-watching the films, I wish I would have actually counted how much either of them says... Join me, or take my hand, or you will turn, because it felt like it was about a million times. It started to feel as if the characters in Star Wars now think that turning someone over to your side is about as easy as switching the lights on and off. I mean, we are talking about changing your whole mindset here, people. What happened to the art of persuasion? What happened to making a speech or doing something else that presents to the opposite party while you are so passionate about your cause? I mean, that's essentially what I'm doing with this podcast I'm trying to persuade you that villains are awesome and perhaps you should like them a little more. What happened to seducing someone to the dark side like Palpatine once did to Anakin? Then again, maybe that's me expecting too much from the makers of Star Wars at this point. George Lucas has been criticised a lot for the prequel trilogy. But in the end, it's still the creation of one man. It's a coherent story. One film follows the other, and they all fit together like puzzle pieces. But the sequels are the creation of two different men. One of which... J.J. Abrams created The Force Awakens and the whole premise behind the sequels. Then Ryan Johnson came about and totally ruined everything. He killed Abrams' primary villain Snoke, made Kylo destroy his helmet made Luke Skywalker a grumpy hermit who completely abandoned his ways, and made Leia have very sudden and very unexpected force powers. What else could Abrams do when he returned to fix everything the previous film had messed up? Since the movie needed a bigger bad than Kylo Ren, Or so he thought, he brought back Palpatine for no reason. He fixed Kylo's helmet and made it look ridiculous. He made Luke come back in the most underwhelming way and made Leia suddenly a Jedi Master. I mean, I love Leia, but since when is she a Jedi Master? No wonder race training never gets her anywhere. And of course, J.J. Abrams did everything else, humanly possible, to shit on anything The Last Jedi had brought to the universe. How easy is it then for Kylo or for any of the other characters in this universe to survive and thrive? when the three films they feature in, by their very nature, work against each other. I feel that Kylo Ren as a character has suffered as a result of this. The way his character ended up massively pissed me off, and a lot of fans felt the same. Even friends of mine who aren't huge fans of Star Wars were like, Oh, they really messed him up, didn't they? Yes, they did indeed. As the story progresses, Kylo Ren as a character, as well as his actions, make less and less sense. As they finally give him a backstory, because let's be honest, he couldn't really be without one. It doesn't entirely make sense. If your uncle tried to kill you, would you go evil? I wouldn't. I would be estranged from my uncle, yes. Perhaps even sue him if the situation called for it. But I wouldn't do anything to harm my own parents. There isn't really a reason as to why Ben should want to hurt his parents. I mean, they never did anything but love him. Even in the scene where he kills Han, which is, by the way, absolutely beautifully filmed, it doesn't make any sense as to why he does it. The only reason I can think of is it's Kylo Ren's way of killing his past. Or... Harrison Ford had enough of the Star Wars universe. It's probably both, if you ask me. Of course, there is another thing that did happen way before The Force Awakens. Years before Ben became Kylo Ren, he found out that his grandfather was actually Darth Vader. To make it worse... This news was actually hidden away from him by his parents. And instead, Ben found it out from a public source. I can imagine at first it did feel like a terrible betrayal. And it could well have been the point where he started to not only doubt his parents, but also the truth of everything around him including the Jedi ways. This terrible truth eventually changed into something else, as Ben spends most of his remaining life idolizing his grandfather and the legacy he left behind. He starts to feel that it falls to him to pick up where he left off. What's ironic, of course, is that he doesn't know that Darth Vader redeemed himself in the end to save his son. This, of course, kind of puts a dent in the idea of Darth Vader showing him the true meaning of the darkness, which he does ask him to do in The Force Awakens. Star Wars is a universe where history repeats itself in a lot of ways. So it's only natural that Kylo Ren's story would mirror Darth Vader's in one way or another. But in the end, it's nothing but a hollow echo of it. It makes sense why Darth Vader saves his son and kills Palpatine whereas with Kylo Ren, his ending makes no sense whatsoever. No matter how many times you would try to convince me, I will never get why Kylo all of a sudden abandons everything and turns good. And we are talking about changing your whole mindset in five minutes here. Is it Leia whispering, Ben... Or Rey deciding to use this moment of distraction very badly and stabbing him? Or is it perhaps the conversation he has with Han where he says, I know. I can't make sense of it. All I will say is, just like he didn't have a choice of the world he was born into, he doesn't get to choose how he leaves it. He may have tried to turn Ray to his side, but he himself was consumed by the light. The only good and sensible thing about Ben's death is the fact that his mother, Leia, doesn't pass into the Force until her son is dead. It's as if she's waiting for him to arrive. This, as well as the fact that Kylo cannot kill Leia, shows how close they likely used to be, even if there actually isn't a scene where they have, like, a full-on conversation together. But don't even let me get started about that kiss right before he dies, or as I would call it, the kiss of death. Star Wars is clearly a universe where romance doesn't have a happy ending, but here it straight out makes no sense. None of the romances in the sequels do. There's no use in denying that there's a connection between Kylo Ren and Rey, but it always felt like something that a brother and sister would have. Or... Let's say for the story's sakes that it makes sense. That there was this heat of passion between them from the moment they met. Why would Kylo Ren have to completely change as a person to earn a kiss from Rey and then drop dead moments later? Even more so, why would someone as goal-driven and talented as him sacrifice his life for someone who clearly doesn't love him back or who couldn't properly carry on the Jedi ways or the Skywalker name. In the end, Rey not only steals the Skywalker name for herself, but she steals away the life of the one person Who made this trilogy worth watching. I guess Spider-Man was wrong after all. When he tries to turn all the villains good in No Way Home, he does it so all of them would be able to live. Because villains always die in the end. That's real life, of course. That's exactly how it happens. If you're a villain, you should straight out know that your lifespan is limited. It's like in Attack on Titan, where the Titan shifters have like 13 years to live. Or in your case, it might be like five years or less. In the end, the very foundation of the story fails Kylo, and instead... It rises to meet every need that Rey has as a character. Even when she has a moment of doubt in The Rise of Skywalker and she throws the sabre away, suddenly Force Ghost Luke appears to give her a pep talk. How convenient. I would love to see what Kylo Ren would become in the arms of a writer who actually loved and respected him. It's a shame, because even though his character started out great, we never got to see him reach his full potential. This is especially sad, because he is played by Adam Driver, an absolutely brilliant actor who will definitely earn an Oscar in my lifetime. As I said, I hate, and I mean hate, The Rise of Skywalker. And Adam Driver is the one bright spot about it. As well, let's face it, the whole trilogy itself. When his character ultimately died, I was absolutely checked out Of the rest of the story. I didn't care. Adam Driver is clearly an actor dedicated to his craft, as well as to the character of Kylo Ren. This is why the tragic failing of the character and the poor writing behind him is especially painful. Had it been better, We could have potentially seen someone that not only stands up to the legacy of Darth Vader, but also, perhaps, manages to overcome it. Who really knows, but I still love Kylo Ren. I always will. I have a Kylo Ren Funko Pop figure, a Kylo Ren plushie, a Kylo Ren shirt, a Kylo Ren mug... And some other merchandise related to him that I cannot remember at the moment. Clearly, I care about the character a lot. If you asked me how I would fix his story and his character, we would be here until tomorrow. All I hope is that his story isn't entirely over. All I hope is that just like Darth Vader there will be more ways for his story to be told, even if it's mainly through prequels and backstories and stuff like that. If there is any villain that deserves a second chance in the limelight, it's without a doubt Kylo Ren. And I don't see why it couldn't happen. In the end, all is still possible in a galaxy Far, far away. Thank you for listening to the Villainous Podcast. You can find more information about the show on our social media pages. It's Villainous Port on Facebook and Instagram and Pod C2 on Twitter. You can also listen to more episodes on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. Until the next time I see you, stay sinister!